It is so good to be here with you this morning, and uh, always a gift to open God's Word together. And uh, if you got your Bibles, if you will join me in John chapter 8, and we are headed to verse 12, and that's where we will begin. And I do want to say just a couple words. One, uh, I just, my heart is just full uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, But one of the reasons is just the faithfulness, the love, the service, the heart, the care of our faith family that I've seen, I've experienced, and am just so thankful. Um, And so you are loved, and you are prayed for, and just so thankful for you. And and, and even yesterday, I know we had a team that was up at Memphis Union Mission that was serving. Our ladies were uh, meeting together, uh, serving to, to, to bless teachers in local schools, and then an army of people that were uh, clearing out the, the, the worship center. And, and literally what we thought would take like five work days were done, was done in two. <laughs> it's just uh, Al Getty, as I was pulling up, uh, I echo his words. We came up here and it was like a beehive, like people like buzzing in, buzzing out. Uh, you know, it was just, just awesome. Uh, uh, and just so grateful for everyone who served. And so we love you. And so all that to say... The work day that we have for this Saturday and the next one and the next one, it's done. <laughs> like it's all it's all set. And so thank you so much uh, for, for serving. So if you got your Bibles again, we're in John 8. And the theme this morning uh, in this text is around the name, the name. Uh, and all of us in this room have a name. Uh, probably most all of us have a first name. Most of us have a second name. Uh, I think all of us for sure have a third name uh, and some even have extra words there in, in the middle of all of that. And, and so somebody who loved you gave you your name, the name you you're called your entire life. And, and we get those names from all kinds of different, you know, places or inspirations for some of you. You're named after a family member or somebody super close to your family and you're 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 like a namesake. And, and then for, for some of you, uh, you're named after maybe a, a, a biblical name in the, in the Word. And, and, and that, that was an inspiration to the name that you have or maybe the name you've given your kids. Uh, maybe for some of you, your parents, they just liked what a word meant. And so they named you that. <laughs> like, I like what that means. You're going to be called that. And, and so you know who you are and, and you have a great name. Uh, and some of you, you know, are named after places. Uh, places that maybe somewhere in your family have been. It was an inspiration. Again, we all have names. And some of your names are a mixture of all of those. Uh, my, my lovely bride and I, we are, many of you know and have been praying. We're walking through the process of adoption with our little baby boy. And it's hard to believe he's going to be a year this week, which is just blowing my mind. But we were kind of like a mix. Like uh, we like the name Judah. We always wanted a Judah. It means to praise or to give thanksgiving. Uh, and then I just like the name Ridge. Like it doesn't mean anything. I just like it a lot. And so his name is Judah Ridge. So some of some of our names are even a mixture of of uh, of those kind of things. But here is what we are going to see through this word this morning that I believe and pray will be an incredible encouragement to you. And that is the name, the name that's above all other names, the name of the one who came to give everyone light and life. And that is the main idea of our text. We're going to see is that Jesus is God and he did come to give light and life. So before we just jump into John chapter 8 verse 12. 
a little bit of a, a little bit of bearings before we jump in. The Feast of Tabernacles has just completed in Jerusalem. Uh, this was one of the three pilgrimage feasts that Jews would celebrate. They would go into Jerusalem, and this one specifically was a week-long campout under the stars. It was all a, a celebration to remember God's faithfulness to their ancestors through the wilderness wandering. Many of you will know, due to the disobedience, rebellion of God's people way back in the Old Testament, they lived and served under Egypt, but God rescued them from that bondage and from that slavery and set them free. And through all of that, we see that God faithfully led His people through the wilderness, through the darkness, ultimately guiding them to what was the land of promise, the promised land. And so, so in this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have different things that were going on to help remember and celebrate. But one of those was taking a, a 65-gallon lantern, multiple 65-gallon lanterns. And they would take these 65-gallon lanterns and they would, they would hoist them up throughout the temple complex where the Jews had come together and come to worship. And it would literally light up the entire temple. And not only that, but it was said that if you lived anywhere in Jerusalem, you could see the glow of those 65-gallon lanterns that lit up the literal dark darkness of night. So no matter where you are, you could see the glow. And it was all for a purpose. The purpose was when people saw the glow, when people saw the fire, it reminded them of God's faithfulness to their ancestors. How in the wilderness, God led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So when they saw this, this was a reminder of God's presence. It was a reminder of God's provision. It was a reminder of God's faithfulness to lead them through the darkness and ultimately lead them to the promised land. But like many of you, uh, let's just say Christmas. When Christmas is over, we put our trees up, our lights up, which it's my favorite holiday. I love it. I, I, and maybe some of you, uh, I would leave the tree up year round. Like if it was socially acceptable, <laughs> We would have a Christmas tree in our house right now with the lights on. Uh, and y'all know who y'all are that are with me, right? You just leave those lights on, just leave them on. Uh, but ultimately, the lights come down. And so the feast is over and the lanterns that gave light to the darkness, as a reminder of God's faithfulness, they came down. And it's as they are coming down at the end of this feast, that Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am, and I want you to hold on to that because we're going to hear it over and over and over in this passage. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I love this picture against the backdrop of these big lanterns coming down that light up the night sky. Jesus is communicating, listen, these lanterns are coming down, giving light to the night sky, but I've come to light up your life. I have come to bring light. I have come to bring life. And this is why I've come. I am the light of the world. And the passage says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in other words, 
to, to follow the Lord is to believe in the Lord. And when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and alone for him, to Him for salvation, He's like, listen, He has you, you have Him. Whoever follows Him will have the light of life. You follow Him, you believe in Him, you will have the light of life. And I love this because the, the blessing of being a believer is that the Lord places His Holy Spirit to indwell you and to, 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 to live out that life and life to the full Full, but, but also the Holy Spirit illuminates His truth, illuminates His Word. It shows us the way. When we lose our way, as we seek Him and seek His will, He will be faithful to light our way. And this is, this is what He does. And this is why when we in this room face major decisions, that as a believer, the right first step is to pray. And we pray because we know that He, the great I Am, will faithfully give us enough light for the next step. And for the next step. And for the next step. That He will light up our life. And so we pray and we seek Him. And we seek His will. And He's faithful to show us. That's what I love in the Old Testament. Y'all could probably finish this verse. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. And so he's faithful as we seek him, as we yield to him to give us and the light to take the next step and to illuminate our way. But here is the truth. He came to give light and life, but guess what? Not everybody cares and not everybody wants to know. And a matter of fact, there are some that are in the midst of this passage that honestly, they could they, they could care less that Jesus came to give light and life. They have set their heart against him. Their hearts are set on evil. They, they want to get rid of Jesus is a problem for them. So they want to rid. They want to get rid of Jesus. They want to dismiss Jesus, as we'll say. We've seen time and time again. They want to lay their hands on him to get rid of him. He's an issue. He's a problem. And so even though Jesus came to give us light and life, we see they're not so interested in what seems like they just hijack the whole teaching moment and just start questioning him. And so what we may read as a hijack, really, God is has perfect knowledge and he sees the whole thing. And he's going to use this as a teachable moment for those Jewish leaders who have set their hearts against him, but also as a moment for all of us to see. So look at verse 13. He came to be the light of the world. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And they said that because according to their law and the law God gave them for something to be considered truth, you had to have at least two or more witnesses to bear witness to that truth. And so Jesus answered in verse 14, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. In other words, what, what Jesus is communicating is, listen, you may be set on the whole need for two witnesses right now, but, but listen, my truth is truth no matter what. My truth always has been. I, I love that, that Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. And I'm the life. 
that over in Hebrews 6.18, it says that it is impossible for God to lie. His character is holy, perfect. He is truth. And so this law that they're referring to, the law was for them. Like God gave them that law through Moses because they needed it. Because I'm thinking if we just took some testimony time, we understand we're all broken and need of God's guidance in our lives. And so they're like, Jesus is like, listen, whether, whether there's somebody physically in this room is what you're looking for. My truth is truth no matter, no matter what. Verse 15, Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And what he's communicating is what he's been communicating all along to these religious leaders, that he and the Father are one. One God. God has, God has demonstrated His love and His personhood to us as God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Jesus is communicating, I am God. But all through Scripture, the Father has testified of the Messiah. If you just cruise around the Old Testament, you would find over 300 Messianic prophecies that were completely fulfilled in the coming and the personhood of Jesus. God, the Bible's been testifying about Jesus the whole time. When he was baptized, at the baptism, the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. At the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 5, the Father says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The father has borne witness about the son all all along. So verse 19, they said to him, well, where is your father? Perhaps they knew his earthly father. Christ was born from above his earthly stepfather, if you will. And 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 perhaps they know Joseph, maybe at this point, Joseph is no longer living at this time. We don't we don't know. But where's your father? Jesus answered, you know, neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. I love this. I love this verse because it's just another reminder that according to the divine timetable, everything is right on schedule. Everything is right on schedule. We have seen time and time again, they tried to arrest him. They tried to lay their hands on him, but they couldn't. They tried to seize him, but they couldn't. Here they are again. They're trying to get their hands on Jesus, but they can't because it's not his hour. Now, six months from when we're reading, another feast is coming. The Passover feast is coming. That will be his hour. That will be where, according to his will, That he will give up his life and be crucified for the sin of the world. But that's the timing that has been set in eternity past. And no man is going to change that. This is so encouraging for me because what this communicates is there is absolutely nothing that can happen apart 
by going through the hands of a sovereign God. And so I love that divine timetable. Verse 21. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And so the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? Now, there was a false, very false, unmerited teaching, horrific teaching that rabbis would pass around that if someone committed suicide, if someone took their life, that the darkest part of hell was reserved for those who took their life. It's absolutely false. There's nothing in Scripture that we see that. But yet they're spreading this. So for them, they're like, well, if we can't follow him, is he going to kill himself? Because we're so like righteous. <laughs> I mean, we could never follow him there because we have it all together in our religious own self-righteousness. And so they're like, well, is that what he's talking about? Because we can't follow him there. But in verse 23, he said to them, you are from below. And I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. See, they have, a, they have what we'll, we'll call just a, a worldly mindset. Like they are, they are looking at Christ through carnal eyes. They're looking through human philosophy. They're looking through the values of the world. The world opposes Christ against Christ. They're looking towards Christ as being opposed and opposite him. The Bible reminds us that we are living in a spiritually darkened world. Second Corinthians 4, 4. Paul said in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So here's Christ who came to give light and came to give life to a spiritually darkened world, to a spiritually dead people. And here is what it's another amazing truth is that, OK, we're, we won't take a show of hands or anything. But like if any time in your life, if you have had people who have been against you, I just want you to go to that place. All right. It's not a happy place. We won't stay there long. But just like like people who want bad for you. And, and, and here is here's what's happening is that even with the people who have set their heart to kill him, he still offers a lifeline. Like he still offers them life. Look at what he says. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die. You will die in your sin. He reaches out this lifeline. Even to the heart that desires to kill him and to put him to death. He says, if you believe, if you believe, unless you believe that I am. There it is again. So verse 25, they said to him. Who are you? <laughs> to which we, when we read the Bible, if we read this passage several times, we're like, do you not get it? Do you not understand what he's been trying to communicate to you this whole time? I said, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. 
I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. And they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. And so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you'll know. Now, the son of man was one of Jesus, if not the favorite name that Jesus referred to himself. It's a messianic title. He's communicating that he is the Messiah. And they say, he says to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, remember, they've been unsuccessful. They tried to arrest him. They tried to seize him. They tried to get their hands on him every single time. They couldn't because it was not his hour. But he is telling you will lift the Son of Man up. And when he's saying that, he's not saying, hey, we're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here to praise the name of Jesus. We want to lift high the name of Jesus. What Jesus is talking about is he is going to be crucified on a Roman tree and lifted up off the ground and he will die for the sin of the world. That is what he is talking about. So when you have lifted up the son of man, you'll know. They will know the Bible teaches us. That every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Willingly or unwillingly, that day is coming. They will lift him up, the son of man, and and they will know. And they will know. And then you will know that I am he. And what's important here is, is if we were to dig into that original language, we would not find the, the word he in there. It was added. It was added because it's implied. I am he. It doesn't change anything about the text. But what it does do, if you dig in, is you hear Jesus saying this, unless you believe I am. And that is so significant. And that is significant for us. And that is significant for the name that is above every other name. Because it is in the name of Jesus that as a believer, we find rest because Of the character of God. And his character is communicated through his name. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sin. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And here's what blows my mind. If I've said that, I feel like I've said blows my mind a lot lately. God has been blowing my mind a lot through this text because here's what blows my mind. Said it again. Is that God, holy, mighty, strong, has communicated to us His creation. He has communicated His personal name. This name that we call upon, that we relate to. To him, we relate to him. God is amazing. And so when he says, I am, we hear I am. And maybe it rings. Maybe Exodus chapter three might kind of ring out in your ears because that's exactly what was ringing out in the ears of the rulers of the Jewish rulers. And there's so much we could unpack there. But suffice it to say, when they would go back to the book of Exodus and they would read about a personal encounter with God and Moses. 
If you're familiar with that story, uh, Moses basically tried every excuse he possibly had before he finally surrendered to God's uh, plan for his life. And that's just a good word for us. Because how many of us have just a super long list of reasons why God can't use us? But that's the point. God knows. God knows Moses can't. But he knows that he is the I am. So if you know the I am, that's really all that matters. And so as, as, as Moses is talking with God, I want to read Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 13 and 15. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, that I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of our, your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And so no doubt this is ringing in the ears of those Jewish rulers. As Jesus time and time and time again is communicating. I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. I am has come to have a relationship with you. And they, their blood is beginning to boil at this point. If we were to look at the end of the chapter, we would find them with stones in their hands, ready to stone Christ. And so their blood is all kinds of boiling. And there's a lot of, a lot of story behind that, but suffice it to say, there's Jews today who... The relational personal name of God. They won't even say it. They'll say Hashem. Which means the name. They just call it the name. And so by God in the flesh. Jesus Christ communicating to them. I am. It is communicating that he is indeed God. So Jesus is the light of the world. He came to give light. And he came to give life to a spiritually dark and a spiritually dead world. This is why I come. The great I am is the one who is present in all of creation. The great I am is the one who is present and faithful as he delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage and slavery. The great I am is the one who is present and had the power to make an, an ocean split in half and that they were rescued by walking across on dry land. The great I am is the one who is present. Who is there to be that pillar of cloud by day. And the pillar of fire by night. Why? Because it was a dark world out there. And God was going to be faithful to give them the light. To be able to see the next step. Because ultimately there is a destination. And the destination is the promised land. And he is faithful to give light each Step of the journey. This is why Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So this is why. In this room, I know, I know, because I know. The stories that have happened in this room this past week who have lost people. 
who they desperately love. Who are walking through a dark hour, who are walking through difficult times. And here's the encouragement. As a believer, we rest in the character of God because He is the I Am. He is faithful. He is good. He will give us the light and the grace and the strength. Why? Because as a believer, He is ultimately leading us home. We will be home with Him forever and ever. And He is the light of life. This is why in an ICU room, when the doctors are giving updates, and they're sharing about what may or may not happen and the percentages that, that there's rest because as a believer, you know the great I am. This is why there can be peace in the midst of chaos. This is why when you find out you, you're, you're, your job isn't going to be available anymore in about three months and so... It's time, and it's like, I mean, there's the real process of all that, but the encouragement is that He is the great I am, and He is present to give grace and to give light along the way. This is why as you go through appointments that are coming up, that you can rest because you know that God is the great I am, and He is faithful, and He is present, and He will give grace for the next step along the way. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is the great I am. And He will lead us. And He will lead us ultimately home. So in verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Now, wouldn't that be awesome if that was about us? <laughs> he always did what was pleasing to God. Don't we wish that could be our testimony? Like that, that is the believer's heart. We, we know we, we know we can't. But, but this, is, this is the design of the life of the believer is to pursue Christ-likeness. To pursue being like Him. God, Paul said it this way, like the ultimate will of God is that you are conformed to the image of His Son. And so God help us that our aim, our trajectory is that we would live a life that is obedient and honoring to God. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you know what, my people, Sermon on the Mount, be like a city on a hill. Like a city on a hill. You can see a city on a hill. Have you ever been flying at night and you see those pockets of light everywhere and you're like, there's life there, there's city. That's the thing. Like people see your life like a city on a hill. And when people see the, that light, they're drawn it's like, how can you have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? Like, how does that happen in this spiritually dark world that we are in? And that's precisely the point is the light of life is Christ. And when we shine his light through our lives, it brings glory to him and it draws people toward him. When we reflect the light of Jesus we, as we, we reflect the light of Jesus as we live to please Him. 
God's plan A from the beginning was that His Holy Spirit would empower His church. And this is just another good reminder that the church is not a building. Like, we can meet under a tree outside. We can go in an attic, a basement. Uh, we can go anywhere, like brick and mortar. Uh, that, that is what it is. And we are very blessed to have a space. But here's the church. And God's plan A to reach a spiritually dark, and spiritually dead world is that His Holy Spirit would empower us as believers and that we would be a light to the world and that in that, that we would be able to share the love and the grace and the gospel of Jesus, the only hope we have to a world that is spiritually dark and spiritually dead. And so, verse 30, we wrap up here. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. And I, I love that. Because I, I, do, I do hurt for these spiritual, you know, these religious leaders. That they, that like Jesus was right in front of them. The only one who could give them light and the only one who could give them life. They were so close. And many of them for, whether it's self-righteousness, tradition, I'm good, like you know, whatever, like they're missing, they're missing the only, the only way to have life and have life to the full. They're missing it. But many believed. And that's the encouragement. And so it could be that you are here today, you're living apart from a relationship with God and God loves you so much that he sent his son to give you light and to give you life. And unless you believe, you will die in your sin. But Jesus is saying, unless you believe that I am, that I am He, He will rescue you from your sin. He will cleanse you from your sin. And He will save you. Real quick, looking backward from the text. Verse 29, He did always what the Father willed. This communicates He lived a life of perfection. Go up one more verse. Verse 28, He took our place on the cross. How? Why? The Son of Man was lifted up. Verse 24, you will die in your sin unless you believe. The gospel's packed right in there for a world that is seeking light and life. And so again, the encouragement is, is Jesus has come to give that to you. He's the only one who can. And if you are here today and you desire to begin that relationship, to have that light and life with the great I Am, and today is the day of salvation. Acknowledging your brokenness, repenting of your sin, trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. And then for the believers in the room, major decisions are going to come our way. Major decisions. At those crossroads, let us not forget our first action must always be prayer. And it will be the Holy Spirit that will illumine the next step through His Word, through His Spirit. Guiding us along. If you're going through major decisions, don't make them in your flesh and in your mind. Make them in surrender to His Spirit and His mind. And to honor Him. And then one last word of encouragement. Some of you are hurting really, really bad. We all know people who are hurting really, really bad. And here is the blessing of the text. 
And that is the name. It is the personal name. It is the relational name of the great I am who is present in the darkness and gives light for the path forward. He is good and he is faithful. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. And God, thank you that you are the true light. There's all kinds of fake lights out there. Um, Imitations that draw us, but they can give no life. We think they can, but they can't. There's no life and no true light apart from a relationship with you. So God, as a believer, we again thank you and praise you that we, a sinful people, would be embraced and adopted into the family of God, forgiven, redeemed, blessed with the presence of the Holy Spirit to give life and light, and that your Holy Spirit would illumine the path forward to give us grace for that next step. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would minister to those who are hurting, perhaps the unknown, circling around. God, your word tells us that you intercede for us. So what great comfort it is to know that you intercede for us. And so, God, I echo your prayer on behalf of our faith family this morning, God, to minister to them, to encourage them, to give them grace for the next step. And Father, I thank you for the gospel, the best news that could ever, ever be shared. And there's anyone living apart from you that they would hear your grace and love extending an invitation to have life and have light. To be forgiven, to have eternal life, yes. But eternal life begins the moment you receive Jesus. Life is never the same. And so God, I pray that you would find us yielded to you, surrendered to you, hungry for you, and obedient to you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. Uh, We're going to have pastors on each side of the speakers down here. And if we could pray for you, that would be a blessing. That would be a blessing. Uh, But let's give this time to the Lord and uh, be sensitive to how he's leading us today.